0: Hallow's Eve Tales is a Podzilla 1985 production. Headphones recommended. Listener discretion advised.
1: Hey, all right, 11.31 p.m. on a Monday night here at KPDZ.com cool and collected out there with no rain in the forecast for the next seven days. Careful with those bonfires, you sick pyromaniacs. Before the clock strikes midnight, however, it's time once again for another installment of KBDZ's Hollow's Eve Tales, our annual Halloween tradition here at the station. If you've got a spooky story to share, our lines are open now. Call 555-5739, and as we always say, give us the ghoulish good word. Hello. Hey, Caller, you are on the air. What do you got for us tonight? What is your name?
0: Not a chance. Are you recording this?
1: Yeah, you know it. Folks, you can catch any tale you've missed right here on the KPDZ DZ podcast
0: at... Uh, tracing? Are you tracing these calls, Caller? Do you anything like that?
1: Well, I mean, I don't, but our producer,
0: they... Forget it. Never mind. This was a bad idea.
1: Whoa, 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 now. Don't hang up. It sounds like you've been spooked. You care to share with the rest of the class?
0: Yeah. All right. doesn't matter anyway. They're probably on to me and maybe someone will pay attention. This might save a life.
1: Now that's what we want to hear. Go ahead.
0: Okay. Here's the thing. Remember when you were in school, like grade school, kindergarten through graduation, you'd see one of your teachers out in public, the grocery store, getting gas, whatever. It was weird, right? Maybe because they're wearing workout clothes instead of a polo shirt and khakis, Mm. or just because they didn't look right standing in front of anything other than a dusty chalkboard. Maybe it was that lack of power. You knew they couldn't get onto you for chewing gum or make you sit at a desk across the room from your friends.
1: Oh, yeah. I remember the feeling. I had friends once.
0: Whatever it was, something was just off. So you'd say your awkward little hi, and they'd throw you, a, see you Monday, or whatever. And then Monday would come around and you'd say, I saw you at the mall. Like they'd somehow forgotten in the 37 hours since that happened. That's a pretty universal experience, right? practically everyone who goes to school will go through this at some point. It's like we were conditioned to not think of teachers as people, like they're just robots who plug into a wall socket in their classrooms at 3:15 every afternoon, recharge their battery overnight, and then do it all again the next day. But that can't be because they have lives, don't they? Teachers tell us about their spouses and their hobbies, about what they were like when they were in school. That's humanity. It's how we measure our lives. If they were robots, why would they be out picking up milk and a loaf of bread at Walmart? What does a robot want with that? Are they just pretending to be like us to blend in? If we can make realistic, lifelike robots, why are they running a fourth grade science class? Is that really the best use for that kind of technology?
1: You know, now when I was in high school, there was this algebra teacher, and and I swear that-
0: Shut up! There's no time for that right now! Sorry, I'm sorry, I just... Anyway, I, I, I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. I still don't, not this, certainly. They told us we had to go to college or we couldn't get good jobs. So I went to college. And then four years later, I still didn't have a good job. What I did have was a bunch of debt that I couldn't pay. Not without that job, you know.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Tell as old as time.
0: Exactly. So where do I go? Right back to school, of course. Not to class this time, though. To the janitor's closet. Mop up the bathrooms. sprinkle that magic dust on the puke piles. You know, the stuff of dreams. Who among us doesn't pray that one day they too will get to spear trash on the bleachers at a high school football field at 9 a.m. Saturday like a convicted felon? Mm. Honestly, it's not bad work. It pays shit, yeah, but it pays. You're on rotation, so you only work when the kids are there like once a week. It's nice chips mostly, headphones on, put little check marks in boxes as you tick off tasks one by one. Wipe down the desk, empty the garbage. Easy stuff. Just don't turn your headphones up too loud while you do it. The old heads will warn you. And if you saw something moving out of the corner of your eye, no you didn't. That's just a trick of the light, the way the place looks when it gets dark out.
1: Man, is it?
0: <laughs> yeah, that's what we like to tell ourselves, right? Anyway, I fall into the rhythm like the rest of them. Keep it simple at home, use what's left to keep the financial wolves away from the door, put my liberal arts degree in a $6 Walmart frame and hang it proudly in a home I'm not really proud of. After a while, I stopped thinking about what it'll be like when I move on, because that when becomes an if, and by that time, it isn't really a question anymore. I-, I know I'm not going anywhere else, even if I don't want to admit it to myself just yet. It's not all bad, though, because by this time, I've made friends. Well,
1: hey, good for you. That's got to be nice, right?
0: <sighs> sure. I mean, yeah, you're right. Friends are great, especially when you aren't exactly from the same walks of life, so you could have that buffer. I get along fine with the other custodians, but it's like we don't really have anything to talk about except for the job, you know. We have a truly great group of teachers, though. I mean it, man. I really do. Those guys are the best. Always smiling when you run into them in the hall, respectful when they need something. Hell, they'll stop what they're doing and help you clean up if it's bad enough. You don't get that at most jobs, especially ones like mine.
1: Now that sounds like you've got a solid friend group right there.
0: What? The teachers? No way. Those are the weirdest fucking people I've ever met. They're way too nice. Nobody should be that happy all the time. It's not natural. No, no. The friends I made are the food prep crew. Deke, Anton, and Griffin. Three grizzled, grumpy old fucks who were chewed up and spit out by the machine, same as me, just 20 years earlier. Crude, lewd, and tattooed almost definitely spent time in prison whether they did something to earn it or not. Now those are good people. How they got hired onto the school, I have no idea. But I'm damn sure glad they did. They'll look a kid right in the eye and tell him to eat shit if he so much as opens his mouth to complain about the mashed potatoes. And God help anyone who leaves their tray behind when the bell rings. I'm pretty sure the last little brat who tried to start a food fight spent a couple weeks in traction, but I can't prove it.
1: Oh that that is quite the uh, colorful cast you've got there, and with actual names no less
0: yeah they're they're awesome well they were awesome anyway and for the record those aren't the real names i'm not stupid
1: of course of course but what what happened
0: i, I don't know man and i don't know and that's the problem a couple of weeks ago my daytime shift had come around to the rotation it's not so bad that means i get to hang out with the crew the meal prep guys right sure enough they're clocking in right ahead of me deke flips me off his lopsided grin the second he spots me and i throw him the bird right back Griffin's face first in his phone, bitching about a football team to nobody but himself. Something's up with Anton, though. He's usually the dickheadest of them all. The kind of guy who, like, fake lunges at people he doesn't even know just for a laugh, even if he's the only one laughing. And yet, there he is, chit-chatting with one of the office secretaries about her garden. Her garden, dude.
1: Well, to be fair, he does work with food.
0: Yeah, but she's growing petunias, not peppers. Her flower garden. That's hmm. what they're talking about. I didn't even know Anson knew what a fucking flower was, much less how to grow one. But he's explaining this to this old biddy about how to break up the root wad when you're repotting or whatever. It's the most bizarre thing I've seen in a while. And I work in the public education system.
1: Now, now that's, that's saying something.
0: Yeah. Anson's still kind of a scary bastard though. So I'm not about to ask him about it. Instead. I wait until he's gone. I get Deke's attention to get him away from the group. What the hell was that, I ask, but it's barely out of my mouth before Deke shaking his head. Couldn't tell you, Chief, he responds. He was like that when we got here, damnedest thing. And then Deke's gone too, like all of a sudden our jobs are actually important or something. How am I supposed to scrape gum off of the undersides of desks after witnessing that bizarre display of humanity, huh? So, anyway, got to about an hour later and I'm scraping the gum off the underside of some desks. Oh, come on, man, really? Like you wouldn't believe for a while there things have been pretty normal of course I haven't seen the crew for a while haven't been anywhere near the cafeteria yet but then it's lunchtime, and I can't resist
1: can't resist what the lunch
0: is that a real question or no, no sorry please go on go on well my stomach does actually grumble a little bit on the way there I figure I'll grab a bite to eat with the guys assuming they've actually put some effort in today and for a minute I managed to forget about the morning Only for a minute, though, because I'm not even around the corner before I hear the singing.
1: Now, did I just hear you correctly? Did you say...
0: I did. Singing. Mm. It's not totally out of the blue, admittedly. Music teacher is one of those guys who totally used to bring the guitar to every party he wasn't invited to in college. So on Fridays, he does a little jam session during the lunch period. I mean, it's the whole thing. He's got the tidy little cult following of greasy-haired guys who want to be him and girls who... I mean, you get it. I wish I didn't,
1: but yes, I do.
0: Eh, well, I know for a fact, before I even see what's going on, that it's not the dulcet tones of Mr. Landot I'm hearing. He's there, too, but he's been relegated to strings only today, because sure enough, there's Anton, all six foot four, too many pounds to count of him, belting out some bubblegum acoustic pop bullshit to the semicircle of teens that formed in front of him.
1: No way, that would not cover here
0: hand to god he's got a fucking tambourine man it's full on bizarro world i I can't watch this one but i still can't bring myself to say anything directly to anton himself either i don't know what it is but it feels like you know maybe if i could just get up alone and then maybe (sighs) not like this that decision gets made for me a second later anyway a big meaty hand clamps down on my shoulder I damn near jump out of my shoes I'm not sure why, because it's obviously Griffin. I can see where he got some vulgar ink removed from his knuckles with them so close to my eyeballs.
1: Sounds about right.
0: Griff doesn't even notice that he startled me. His eyes are narrowed toward the Ed Sheeran fan club that his partner in crime has betrayed him for. You seeing this shit too, he asked me. I nod in the affirmative. He's watching them. I'm watching him. And I realize I've never seen Griffin this mad. I imagined it, sure, based upon his background alone, but this was the first time I'm witnessing this dyed-in-the-wool ex-con get angry in real time. I figure I better start doing the detective work, so I bring up the morning fiasco to start connecting the dots. I asked Deke, but he said Anson was like this when you guys got in. I explained, thinking this might lead to some answers. Smart move. And it should have been. Instead, it just leads to more questions. The mention of Deke's name just makes Griffin more angry. He squeezes my shoulder like he's testing the ripeness of a melon, and I'm not too proud to admit that it hurt. Don't talk to me about Deke, he said. That pit stain is currently dead to me. There's definitely news in my neck of the woods, so I ask why, then immediately realize I'd just done exactly what Griff asked me not to do. Luckily, he indulged me anyway. Admin called him up to the office before we even got anything out of the walk-in. Haven't seen him since and then Camp Kumbaya going on over there, I'm stuck running the show solo. I'm going to murder the both of them, I swear.
1: Maybe, yeah, maybe not the best thing to say out loud in a public school, but I get it. You're
0: frustrated. Yeah, I didn't even hear the rest of it. I just kind of wander away. I floated through the next couple hours in a haze. I dropped even the pretense of doing the job. I'm in the hallways between classes, and it's all smiles. The kids, the teachers, especially. Like, no one even knows that something's up. I don't see any of the lunch crew again. Not even Griff. I think about going to the office to, I don't know what, honestly. Guess for a minute I really thought it might be that easy. Waltz right in there, demand answers about my friends, and the brass would all be compelled by my bravado to comply, given the, the ghost of just like that. But obviously part of me knows that won't work. Might even make things worse. So I just keep drifting along, trying to process what I've seen. Next thing I know, the kids are gone. School's out and it's getting quieter. I vaguely recall agreeing to cover a second shift in my trance-like state during this day, so I'm not going anywhere. Not that I would, anyway. I I need to know what happened to the guys, and this is my chance.
1: That's a bold move. It's a good strategy. Savvy, even. Did it pay off?
0: You might say that. duck into one of our designated clauses to keep out of sight as I plan this next move. Part of me realizes this is insane. People change, right? Maybe Anton just kind of let this place get to him in a good way? Maybe the principal finally took a good look at Deke's rap sheet and found something worth discussing in private. Or maybe...
1: Maybe what, caller?
0: That's what I need to know. So I wait, and I plan. It's late enough in the year that the sun goes down before anyone starts looking for me. That'll help. Lights are still on, but they're no longer getting any help from the windows. I creep out of my hiding place, a key secured by pocket so as to not give away my position. Grabbed an aerosol can of the metal cleaner we use on the kitchen appliances. Which, of course, reminds me why I'm doing all of this. But tonight, it's not for janitorial purposes. It's to blind anyone who gets in my way. And if that doesn't work, the big torch we keep around for the pilot lights will turn it into...
1: Whoa, whoa, wait, wait a second now. Okay, so you're arming yourself. Because a guy you know is acting a little weird, and before you even ask him why, I mean, come on, that's a little extreme,
0: isn't it? Look, man, I've spent my whole life just kind of existing not really doing anything for anyone myself included so does it not stand a reason that when I finally make a couple of friends I go all in on them
1: yeah okay fair enough
0: anyway I'm making my way through the building with the intent of getting to the office without being seen there's cameras sure but I don't really worry about that no one's ever actively watching them unless it's absolutely necessary a couple of times I'm positive that I hear footsteps seeing someone's shadow about to round the corner on me I surprise myself with how easy it is to raise that spray up to eye level, ready to defend myself. But it's nothing. Car passing by outside, headlights skimming through the window, or, well, honestly, I can't explain the footsteps, but nothing ever comes of them. Not that I see, anyway. It feels like forever, but about ten minutes later, I'm outside the main office door. I can hear voices inside.
1: Now, shouldn't they all be gone at that point?
0: They should, but they aren't. Obviously, I don't just bust in the place, but these doors are thick, protective ones. Thanks, Columbine. So the sound is too muffled to make out specific words. The only thing I can think to do is to lower myself to the floor, put my ear to the minuscule crack there, and hold my breath. It starts out normal enough. I I catch who I'm pretty sure is the principal in mid-sentence, saying something about how they're in uncharted waters now. I don't know who they are, but I get the idea I'm not invited to the party. Someone else. I'm positive I don't know this voice, says that the program has maintained a 100% success rate since its implementation, and it's very unlikely this new experiment will be any different. Talks like a nerd, sounds like a nerd, but a dangerous one, like some kind of mad scientist. I half expect him to start ordering Igor around any second. The principal speaks again, says, I appreciate your confidence, but based on today's demonstration, perhaps some fine tuning is in order. He's a cook for Christ's sake, he's not Barney the Dinosaur. I can't tell that chill that runs through me if it's because the floor tile pressed against my cheek is so cold, or...
1: Or because...
0: Uh, The Doc Brown type gets defensive. You said he was an undesirable. That was your exact description, and so I assume he'd need a little extra calibration. Before I can process that bombshell, the principal's back at it. Yes, I did say that, and yes he did, but just dial it Back a bit, would you? We've managed this long. We've managed it this long without any real suspicion. This entire faculty has been has
1: been what exactly?
0: I don't get to find out. Not right then, anyway. Because from behind me, another voice, and this one's not muffled by the door. What are you doing on the floor? Is Landot the music teacher? I know it before I see him, before I even spring up off the floor and start backpedaling away, eyes wide with surprise, falling right back on my ass as the office door swings open with authority. I still don't recognize the mad doctor, but I was right about the principal. And so much more. Behind them is Anton, hooked up to more wires and cables than run through the entire survey roof of this whole building. That's bad enough, but I realize pretty quickly what's worse. I can't tell what they're doing and where they're going. They just kind of go into him, like right through his skin into his arms, his legs his stomach, his eyes
1: What the hell are you talking about?
0: That's basically what the principal says. He and Landot exchange a look and then the doc gets in on it, but I can barely take my eyes off my buddy. And then I realize Deke's right beside him sporting fewer wires, but it's a non-zero number, so it's still pretty fucking horrifying. And it only gets worse when his eyes open They focus right in on me, bloodshot to hell, and there's something else. Some kind of glare or a trick of the light, maybe? Deke's jaw drops open like a ventriloquist dummy. He's trying to say help, I figure out a second later, but it's like a dog trying to talk. Like he doesn't get the concept anymore.
1: How how could they have...
0: All at once, the four of us realize we've been staring at the cooks, or whatever they are now, and then the other three turn on me. I'm sprinting down the hall, screaming at the top of my lungs, and I only barely hear the principal telling the other two not to let me get away. Oh my god. I, I want to save them. I, I do, really, truly. But I don't even know what that looks like at this point, so I just keep running, never looking back, even though I can hear the slapping footfalls of that bastard Landauk getting closer, closer. Oh no. I, I realize this isn't a viable strategy. Maybe too late, but I have to try. As I round the corner, Luck kicks in. An open classroom door. I barrel through it, slide to a stop, and then fling myself back at the door to slam it shut. Hammer the slide lock into place. It's there to prevent intruders, right? Landot is absolutely hurling himself at this classroom door out in the hallway, hollering like a crazed animal. I'm positive I see a glint of red where his eyes should be through those frosted safety glass, but I'm safe.
1: (sighs) Well, man, that was close
0: it doesn't last no one should have been in that building i remember it dawns on me way too late days too late even if it only takes a few seconds to turn around the classroom's almost entirely dark save for a standing floor lamp and kind the of thing some poor teacher definitely bought out of their own pocket money just to make the place a little more homey i gotta spend 40 hours a week there may as well make it a little nicer right and that poor teacher is here mrs garrett one of the language arts instructors she's standing right beside her store-bought floor lamp she has to be they're plugged into the same outlet
1: there you mean she
0: i don't know what compels me to walk over to her curiosity i guess but i do she's just standing there stock still facing forward never blinking i realize after a minute she can't see me My brain reconciles this impossibility as her being in some kind of power-saving mode or whatever as she charges up. If I listen closely, I can hear this mechanical whirring and clicking, like an old computer defragging its hard drive. Landoc keeps shoulder-tackling the door, trying to get to me, for what I can't even imagine. But I've all but tuned him out now. Some small part of me assumes I've gone crazy, but not enough for me to give up. Not after all this. I reach out. I don't know why. It's like Landot's desperate attempt to break down the door. Nothing good is ever going to come of it, but I don't know what else to do. And then Mrs. Garrett blinks. Her eyes go red, flashlight beams in them. Her jaw drops, same as Anton's, but this time it's not a cry for help. It's the most god-awful robotic drone that pours out of her, aimed directly at me. My hands fly up to my ears to try to protect them. A headache instantly swells between my temples, and I can feel myself falling. I I barely manage to line up the big torch in the spray can, ignite the chemical that emits from it, flames scorching this thing's face. The flesh, it just melts like candle wax, dripping down onto the tile, shining, gleaming chrome beneath it. She raises an accusatory finger, and even through the mechanized screaming, I hear the scrape of metal on metal that accompanies her movement. Behind me, the door shatters into a million wooden splinters. The last thing I see is a red-eyed griffin staring down at me.
1: And and then what happened? Where are you now?
0: I told you, I, I don't know. When I come to, I'm back in the janitor's closet like nothing ever happened. In fact, it's just like I'd had the worst dream ever. I literally wake up on the floor, weapons in hand, and I can hear footsteps outside. So many of them. It's just the kids. Another school they started. Another dollar to make to pay toward those student loans. But now, it doesn't seem so bad. Most of the time, anyway. Sometimes, though, it feels like I'm... You know when you're swimming, and you come up through the surface of the water for air, you don't really think about how it had been just a little bit longer, you could have died? I get that feeling every once in a while. Most of the time I'm happy, smiling even, but it really kicks in when I'm getting groceries or if I'm at the mall and I see one of the kids. They look at me differently now, but am I different or are they as the same as, I don't know how long ago it was, but one day I broke through for a little too long and I dropped the rag I was holding and just ran. I ran and I ran and I kept running and now well, I'm just sitting here wondering.
1: Wondering what, caller?
0: <sighs> wondering if I can never get far enough away that they can't find me. Wondering what they did to me that night. And wondering if, when I put this screwdriver into my wrist, it'll actually hurt. If it'll go deep enough to strike bone in there. Or if... Oh. Oh.
1: Oh, okay. Uh, We need to uh, take a break, folks. You're listening to the Hallow's Eve Tales on KBDZ. This is DJ Bad Kermit, and we will be right back after this.
0: Hallow's Eve Tales is a production of Podzilla 1985. Automated was created and written by Hunter Hendricks and voiced by Shannon Young and Cody Sandusky. Catch every episode of this seasonal series as well as the full slate of Podzilla podcasts like PZ85 Plays, After Dark, and more at podzilla1985.com or on your favorite podcasting service.